0: Hi everybody, it's Terrell Cummings and this is Season 2, Episode 9 of the Always Relevant Podcast. Today, Dane and I have a special guest on the show. The guy we've been talking about, Lee, our resident genius, resident mixologist, resident chef, resident do-it-all. He's going to be on the show discussing... Our part two of hospitality and what happened to the hospitality industry. So we got that. We got a little bit going on with the college wall rundown. As always, talking about the NFL, Bengals, Browns, and how they're both disappointed at the last minute. Um, rapid fire topics with Dane. Get real with Dane. Mess with your money or rail. We're we'll bringing in this segment Let's uh, for Lee's drink recipe. Let's mix it up with Lee. So that's coming new as well. As always, relax and take notes at the end. We have a full day coming. We're excited for it. We hope you are too. So here we go. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. This is Terrell Cummings, and this is season two, episode nine of the Always Relevant Podcast. Today, as always, we have Dane DeMayo, co host. And Dane, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Good to be here. That's good. Also, we have our friend, like I said, in the intro, resident meg resident chef, resident genius, resident, a bunch of other things that. A bunch of us are not. But our friend, Lee Caldwell. Lee, what's going on, man? Hey,
1: Terrell. Hey, Dane. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm very happy to be here. Can't wait to uh, run through this gamut.
2: Yes. yes, you're here to save us. So you're here to save the industry with us. So here we go.
0: That's yeah, right. I'm to help try to save the hospitality industry. That's that's the goal. That's what we're going to get to later. But first, we're going to start off how we normally do. How are you and how are you really? And I will start, how am I? As always, I am all right. How am I really? I'm a little bit sad, a little bit happy. Happy Michigan won this weekend. A uh, little bit down because it was only against Nebraska. I don't think do that good. We'll talk about that later. Uh, also a little bit down because the Bengals took an L on the late to the Packers. We'll talk about that later too. But I'm a little bit happy because it shows the Bengals can play a little bit and they're getting better. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are the truth. So overall, I'm good. Dane, how are you? How are you really?
2: Good, man. NHL season starts Thursday. Blue Jackets back in action. Nationwide arena against the Arizona Coyotes. I think that's how you say that, right? Coyotes? I don't know. Coyotes? So, Coyotes? I, I don't know. Really yeah. So Boone Jenner was made captain the last long time. Blue Jacket really left. Let's see if Brad Larson can carry on what Torts did after a debacle of a season last year. Excited to see the new Russian star, Chinnikov, just coming off the Gregorian Cup. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But how am I really? I'm mad. I'm mad. Stefanski, I was, I was a believer in you. I want to see proof of your Penn Ivy League degree, because there's no way someone from an Ivy League school would call the dumbest plays I've ever seen called in an NFL game. But we'll get into that later. So the Browns ruined my weekend. Thanks for doing that. Lee, why don't you let us know how you're doing? <laughs> what do you got to Yeah, Lee, how are you and how are you really, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing well uh things have been going well out here in Colorado no uh real complaints and as we were talking our little uh mashup before you guys are coming out soon so I'm looking forward to that uh how am I really honestly really doing well uh just was fortunate enough to celebrate my four-year anniversary with Amanda yesterday so I'm sorry Sunday we just stretched it into uh, Monday as well but yeah I'm no complaints
0: yeah that's good man good to hear congrats happy anniversary. Uh, yeah, I guess it's technically a long four year anniversary of not that long ago as well. So, we're a couple of weeks apart. Uh, so, yeah, no good times. And um, you know, we're happy to have you, man. And as I said, hopefully, you can bring some of your knowledge to the table. So, um, initially, for our bonus segment, for the fans that the fans, I don't know, fans is definitely the wrong term. For any listeners out there that listen to us, come on here and babble a little bit. Um, they didn't, didn't get a chance to go to any cultural experiences. So, the culture experience I went to this weekend was the bengals packers fall game and the tailgating for that game. So, overall, it was a good time. Um, let's see. We had friends at our house like at 7 a.m., which everybody was on time. At least of them meet of our place was on time. Uh, I got up early. I wasn't going to get up at 5 into the store, but I ended up not waiting until 6 to, to the store and got a few things I was needed, a few adult beverages and everything. Um, got ice and everything for the trip. So got everybody there, loaded everybody up in our Yukon, and got down to the stadium. So overall, it was solid tailgate. Um, End up uh, having some chili on. Um, let's see what in crock pots. End up having chili dogs, grow the, the dogs on the grill. Um, buddy came down. He uh, brought generator. We have music going on. Uh, we were watching the football game. The um, what, what was the Falcons Jets in London? So That was a that was it's the not a football game though. Hey, you know it, it was better than anything else I was on TV at the time, so we'll we'll count that. Okay. Start doing that. So, wasn't a football game? Wasn't the best football game. You know, people out in London they kind of get jipped when it comes to good football, but it was football, and we we're good with that. Um, had a lot of snacks on the table. Had cornhole boards set up. You know, we had a little cornhole tournament, so that was good. Like I said lots of adult beverages flowing, and all in all, it was a good time. I do want to give a shout out to the Green Bay Packer fans. Because the ones that were there tailgating, everybody was nice. Everybody was cool. Everybody traveled from somewhere randomly in Wisconsin. So they made at least an eight-hour drive, every single one of them. But they were good people. Um, they were there before we were. The flags were rising high. Their cheese cheeseheads were on their heads. And they were out there celebrating doing what they were doing. And I'm not mad at them. And unlike Cleveland fans, there were no fights. You know, there was no disappointment. You know, you know everybody was disappointed at the end because of the kickers. There are still no fights after the fact that I saw. So, respect to both the Cincinnati and Green Bay fan bases for that because we're I classy right here in Southwest Ohio. Classy.
1: I'll vouch for you on that, Terrell. I went to the game in 2015 uh, when last time the Packers were in town and yeah. super cool experience. Uh, the fans were all great. I do have to admit, though, I might be a little biased because Amanda, when she does root for a football team, does root for the Packers. But uh, still, so, super. <laughs> And she uh, knows the winner. As, <laughs> but yeah, super great experience. And it's actually one of my favorite fan bases, even being out here in Denver with all the people that travel for Broncos games. The pack travels hard out here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was true. I mean, they were they were all in the stadium there, sprinkled throughout. Wasn't as bad as Pittsburgh, but you know, from the distance they came, they were representing. So I, I'd give them props on that for sure. So Dave, what were you gonna say, man?
2: They were cheese on their hip. That's all I need
0: to know about that. Hey, game. you know, I think it's a great thing. I'm not mad at the cheese thing. You know, what I'm saying I'm a fan of it. You know, if I wasn't a Bengals fan, I mean, I'll probably be a Raiders fan. Then I consider being a Packers fan, but I don't know. <laughs> the
1: guy who roots for the team that wears dog masks and throws dog bones on the field is Chris. Has cheese on your head?
2: Yes. Right. <laughs> right. You're wearing cheese on your head. That's ridiculous. Right. I don't even know where that started. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it makes sense though makes sense.
2: Rogers wants to go back to Hollywood, their party's over. So
0: <laughs> I got you. Well, Lee just hopped up, but we're coming up on Lee's portion of the podcast, mixing up with Lee. And today, Lee is going to show us how to make a classic whiskey sour. Lee, what do you got for us, man?
1: The uh, reason I got up was I had to get ice because ah, <laughs> I do to do this with wet ice. So whiskey sour, one of those cocktails that most people I kind of have a familiarity with, but you've probably had it with with like some type of cheap well whiskey and sweet and basically pre-mixed sweet and sour mix, not good. So we're gonna do it the classic way. And I actually did forget one more ingredient. See,
0: Lee's supposed to prepare for this. He's not, he's getting up during his segment. Mixing up with Lee, obviously so, the first time. He's right, and hey, we're bringing him back to at Lee. Take care of it. All
1: right, so with, uh, with basically whiskey sour, very, very straightforward on the measurements. It's two ounces of whiskey one ounce of your citrus, which we're going to use fresh squeezed lemon juice, and then one ounce of your sweetener. So we're going to start off using Buffalo Trace in this case. We'll put two ounces in here. After that, we're going to go with sugar. So in this case, it's just store-bought simple syrup. I know sometimes when I give you guys these recipes, I realize that I've got an entire bar behind me. To work with as opposed to just a few ingredients and everyone might have. So, one ounce of simple syrup goes in there as well. Uh, this is lemon juice. I just fresh squeezed it right before we got on here. Another ounce of this. And Terrell, I can send you the actual specs. So, if you want to post them up, make it a little bit easier in case everyone has a hard time following me. Uh, bitters, got to use bitters in a cocktail. I like using bitters in any whiskey cocktail, period, but definitely uh, in a whiskey sour. We're just going to use two dashes. Uh, th- these are Fee Brothers. Uh, usually, I like Angostura, but I was out here at home, and King Supers or Kroger didn't have any. And then, last but not so, basically, this will work for anybody whiskey sour. Um, for me, I like to jazz it up a little bit and add egg white to it. This is just about half of an egg white. I separated it before, so you guys didn't have to watch me do all that. We got to throw it right on in here. Now. Instead, like normally you shake a drink, you shake it on ice and all of that. But because we have egg white in here, we need to emulsify it. So you're going to do a dry shake. Just put everything in here without any ice. You really want to make sure these are locked and loaded because uh, you're going to create pressure in here. I like to shake with two hands. Um, I just find it's a super safe way. But give it about ten seconds. Yeah, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that's why dj has that shake weight video that's right
0: that's that's exactly what i thought about DJ oh, video.
1: Yeah. it's a great that's shoulder workout that's why you don't see many bartenders with a narrow back but yeah give it about a good solid 10 seconds or so because you're basically whipping it same i when i uh when i need to make whipped cream for something here at home actually i do just the same exact thing which is whipped cream or with heavy cream and sugar but yeah so we're gonna put a good amount of ice up in here I don't like to use a ton of ice in my cocktails here at home, just because, one, I don't have really great ice. But put a good amount in your small tins. Lock them back in together. Give it another 10-second shake.
0: I work hard to be a
2: mixologist, dude. Got work hard. Yeah.
1: yeah right I like the hand.
2: protein factor, too. It makes it almost Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, 40, it's not, no fats. It's just all egg white in there. So then the other aspect I like to do is I like to double strain this because while we did use the egg white, you don't always want all of the like stringy parts in your drink. So this is just like a tea strainer or a fine strainer. That looks okay. good. This down. So your cocktail is going to look like these egg whites are going to settle up on top. And it will clarify that here in a second. And then the other part is for the garnish, nice little lemon twist. If you can, try to express it like this way. As you saw the drink just like shimmy there. It's because I actually got those oils off. Twist it again. Drop it in. Cheers.
0: Okay. Nice. Nice. All right. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this one. Uh... Maybe you sit in the recipe like I, I think I, I remember what you said, but in case I didn't, I'll either watch this or I'll look. The recipe it comes up.
1: There
0: you go. Well, I can try yeah, the that. Thing, with the it. reason
1: we use the egg whites, it really makes it like nice and silky and instead of just being like super like thin with just lemon and
2: uh, sugar. Yeah, man, that's like a Jersey Shore drink right there. You get your
0: <laughs> fist pumping, be crazy. I don't like know, it. man. That, that looks a little bit classier than Jersey Shore. Let's keep it real.
1: I mean, right. I will say if uh, I've i I've worked with a few bartenders from Jersey and they do seem to have this like innate ability to shake a drink in just a different way than everyone else.
2: Yeah, you have to come out. Come out. <laughs> <up. laughs> I try to do it as much as possible, but what are you going to do? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. every now and then it doesn't hurt. <laughs> care, I'm going to wash these tins real quick and I'll be right back.
2: Cool. No, I appreciate
0: that. That's awesome. So there we go. Mixes up with Lee. He's here live this time to kind of demonstrate it. You know, we don't always have that. So when he is here, we we definitely appreciate him coming out and showing off his skills that Dan and I don't have. We usually keep it straightforward and simple with our beverages, but whenever Lee's around, he's usually offering up his services as a mixologist slash bartender, whatever you want to call it, and he's usually pretty knowledgeable about it. He's usually good at telling a good story with it too. So we appreciate that, and that's what we're looking forward to going out to Denver. We're not gonna make him work too hard for his 40th birthday, but we will be having to make us some cocktails like this, and uh, it's gonna be a good time. So, uh, thanks Dude, again. We appreciate party. it. Yeah, you can have your beverages. We'll be here. I'll be here drinking water, unfortunately. But, uh, Dane, let's go talk about the college football run right now. What we got so far?
2: All right, we gotta talk college football today because it was another wild weekend. I mean, just when you thought the only consistent I see so far is Georgia, that's about the only consistent I see so far. Right, let's, well, let's start with some of the crazy ones here. So, we got Oklahoma and Texas. Texas was up 38 to 20, 38 to 20 at halftime and blew it. Thumbs down, baby. Horns down. Is it hey,
0: Dennis? Like our, our other friend Dennis was at that game with his what girl who's a Texas fan. Well, guess what? Texas took the L, they were up there winning, they had it locked, they had it done. Oklahoma pulled their full Spencer Rattler, brought in the true freshman quarterback, five-star recruit. What's his name? Caleb Williams. He brought him down. He looked like he was a, a veteran, a senior. Had him, He was throwing dimes everywhere. Hey, horns down. Dennis, that's for you and your people down there in Texas. Sorry, bro.
2: <laughs> All right, so it was a crazy game. Thompson for Texas at 388 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Caleb Williams had two touchdowns when he came in. It was like 212 yards. Uh, so he came in and brought some stability because Rattler was turning the ball over. But the, <laughs> Oklahoma had 339 rushing yards, including a crazy up-the-middle run at the end of the game to win uh, with no time left. I hate both these teams, but I have to say it was very entertaining. I wish Oklahoma would lose. They keep staying alive somehow. I can't wait till I get to go off on them. Uh, Brooks, 25 carries, 217 yards, two touchdowns. Now, as a ex-defensive lineman, I can't imagine playing in a game where I gave up 338 yards rushing. Like, I'd make hey. sure your girlfriend told you to take walk home. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, man, 338 yards, what are you doing? Hey, right? I, thought, I thought Oklahoma was supposed to have, like, a top-10 defense, too. Not this year. Now, What do we talk about the Big 12? They don't play defense, so. I mean,
1: if you think about it, you've got these two teams that are going to be jumping ship to the SEC in a couple of years. And the reality, it just shows that they're going to be a second-tier SEC team at best. Like, I don't hey. see them competing with your Georgias, your Alabamas, even yeah. your USU's year in, year out.
0: Because Texas got big-bodied. They got big boy by Arkansas, and Arkansas got worked by Alabama. So, hey, what to i going tell you.
1: I mean, Arkansas is a great point. They came from the SEC – or, I'm sorry, they came from the Big 12 um, initially. And now that they've been in the SEC, they had, what, maybe one really good run for a couple of years in the early 2000s. Outside of that, second tier at best, if not third. Yeah,
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure.
1: Let's
2: keep keep the rushing theme going here, right? You brought up Arkansas. So, Arkansas loses to Ole Miss at Ole Miss 51-52. Arkansas had 350 rushing yards and four touchdowns. I was watching this game. It looked like a track meet, not a football game. Uh, What? Ole Miss, 324 rushing yards, five touchdowns. What happened to defense? Who gives up 300-something yards rushing?
0: Hey, SEC, apparently. Besides Georgia. Besides Georgia. SEC, they've they've gone downhill.
2: So, my love affair with Arkansas is over. I'm breaking up with them to the curb, Done. Oh, quick. Oh, quick. I'll oh, move quick, man. She, gone. Arkansas gone. <laughs> so
1: that Arkansas quarterback looks like a small or looks like a smaller version of Cam Newton. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I was
1: struck actually watching that game. I was just like, "Wow!" Could not get over how big he
0: was. Big man. He's only six three though. I thought he was like 6'5", 6'6". He's like six three. They say yeah. two thirty. They say he's what two thirty five? I mean, I, he's got to be all two forty
1: five, maybe. You might want to flip be. that three and five.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a load. He's a, a load man, for sure. So what do we got here? Let's talk about the big upset. Alabama goes down to a Texas A&M team that can't score and had two losses. Texas A&M wins 41-38. Uh, young for Alabama at 369 yards, passing three touchdowns. Kyle I forget how you say his name – at three yeah. touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Alabama 153 rush. A&M had 94 Uh, but basically A and M took control of this game in the first half. I mean, it was crazy. I didn't see this coming. What do you think? No, I was completely
0: surprised because they struggled with Kent State and then they lost to Arkansas. And who else they struggled? Struggled someone else they shouldn't have. And they've had quarterback issues and everything like that. And I saw Alabama was gonna roll. Maybe Alabama thought the same thing and obviously it didn't work out that way.
2: I mean, they showed up. It, it took them, it took them three games to score 41 points previously. So well, apparently, whatever it was, they found it. So yeah. So we tried to have Paul Feinbaum on again this weekend. And uh supposedly he was uh, running grocery errands for Saban. He said maybe next week. So
0: yeah, MIA, him and his ears.
2: Yeah, I guess Saban's in a bad mood. So I heard he's got to come back and give him a massage later. So, you know, weren't able to get Feinbaum. We're still working on that. All right, let's get the Sensi. Worked the Temple Owls, 52 3 on Friday night. Riddler, uh, Ritter, I mean, 259 yards, three touchdowns. Gotta start thinking maybe Heisman race, right? I'm a Heisman, but you see, they gotta keep beating teams
0: like this in the conference. They gotta be even worse than this. I think they gotta put 60 spots on everybody. Um, I know it's gonna be tough, but that's what it's cheap for, in my opinion, because the conference is not that good, and everybody's gonna, gonna want to put two SEC teams back in the. In the championship and Big Twelve, I'll get more respect than the American Conference right now. So UC needs to go out there and keep their spot and just beat everybody down in their conference and show everybody that they should be in the college football playoffs.
2: Yeah, SMU won again. That's going to be maybe the only ranked team they play all year. If SMU, they need SMU to remain undefeated and go and uh, beat them up down in Texas, and then maybe uh, they can make a run. Lee Bearcats, what do you think?
1: I think Terrell's right, they gotta just keep putting up points on everybody. Um, SMU, they barely beat Air Force, so I think that might hurt their kind of overall perception a little bit. Um, but all in all, UC just has to take care of business. They took care of business in the non-conference by beating both Indiana on the road as a big ten, so a big ten team on the road and going up and knocking off Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, yeah. Can't I mean, decide. they've done
1: everything they can do. It's now you brought the up a reason good why they were getting out of the AAC anyways is because you do everything you can, but then your con- the rest of your conference is just also random.
2: Yeah, you brought up a good point, though. They need Notre Dame to keep winning, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's see. All right, Georgia 34-10 against Auburn. They were 17-3 at halftime. I think they've given up, what, maybe three, four touchdowns all year. Georgia seems to be the cream of the crop right now. Uh, big win against Auburn at Auburn. Uh, yeah, any comments on that one? George the best team? I think George is the
0: best team. At least their defense is the best. I don't know if, if they get challenged you know, offensively at all. Like, I know they can run the ball. And it looks like they're going with, that with uh, Stetson over uh, JT Daniels, so I don't know how much better that makes them as a team. But right now, they can run the ball, and they are really good on defense. So, as of right now, and they have athletes everywhere. They have athletes all over the field, like five stars. It's crazy. These guys are how played they are, at least on defense. So, yeah, I'll say George the best right
2: now.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, about Alabama, no one comes back after a loss like Saban's teams do. Yeah,
2: he's never lost after losing, right? They're, I mean, oh, he's shown it wanna...
1: out before, and they always find a way into the playoffs. And I think they've at least won what? One title when they barely snuck in with a loss?
2: Don't want to be in those practices this week. We're going to learn a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So here we go. Penn State loses at Iowa 2023. I picked Penn State. I stand by that pick because they're whooping the Hawkeyes' butts before their quarterback went down. That was the difference in the game. Penn State was up 14-3 in the first quarter. Looked like Penn State was going to put it to them, and then their quarterback got hurt. Iowa Hawkeyes continue to get lucky. i do not saying they're not a bad team. But they keep getting lucky. Iowa State was basically dominating them, but they turned the ball over eight times. So, what do you think?
0: I mean, I picked Iowa,
2: so they got the win. You
0: know, in actual life, not you know, not the what ifs and everything. Their defense, their DBs got turnovers. They turned the ball over a lot uh, on on Penn State. Penn State, even with Sean Clifford in the game, I really don't know how good they really are. I still question that to be honest with you. But I was stuck in there, and they got a good win. So. Just a matter of who are they going to lose to down the line. They'll lose to somebody. It's just a matter of who it's going to be.
1: Dane, you should be happy as an Ohio State fan. It puts it basically resets the schedule for the Big Ten East or whatever. Yep. That, yeah, Ohio that.
2: State needs Iowa to run the table because they got Penn State anyway. So you're right. Oh, uh, let's see here. But Penn State's pretty good when they have their quarterback. They are. They're, they're going to be a tough out real quickly then some of these games Michigan State remains undefeated 31-13 at Rutgers Thorne had 340 yards 3 touchdowns Michigan State starting to look a looking a little threatening here in the Big 10 uh anybody want, any any anybody a believer in Michigan State I think that they're playing bully ball
0: in their coach's image I'm a little worried about Michigan State I think they're just bruisers and I think they're going to be there when they when it counts I worry about when Michigan plays Michigan State this year
2: 4-4 All right. Sparty never quits. Sparty never quits. Okay. Kentucky's undefeated 42 21 over LSU after beating Florida. Kentucky had 330 rushing yards, 7.3 average, three touchdowns. Should we start talking Kentucky football?
0: No. Yes.
2: No.
0: Yes, you should. You You know why? Because Kentucky football is recruiting Southwest Ohio like they should. They're starting to play some good ball, and they're starting to be some FCC teams that were powerhouse. Give Kentucky some, give Kentucky some respect. Let's go.
1: Kentucky won't get those players as long as Fickle stays at UC and does what he does.
0: Right now, if, if UC played Kentucky, my money's on U on uh, UK to win. Ooh, <laughs> ooh like, I would I can, take
2: that. Bet. I,
1: would I hope it's that. a
2: bowl game. I hope it's a bowl. I game. think Kentucky is no, better athlete. UCM's not in the not in the playoff. That if they're not in the playoff. But if they're in the playoff, what if Kentucky and UC run the table and meet the first round? Don't hey, forget about uh, Georgia. Honestly, over. If you're looking at it right now, Kentucky's in a better position to make the playoff than UC is. Yeah. Well, yeah, if they run the table in the SEC, I mean, that's all you got to do. No big deal.
1: <laughs> yes, a little strength, strength of the schedule thing.
2: All right. The only reason we're going to talk Irish because I hate him is because Lee's on. Notre Dame, 32, Virginia Tech, 29. Notre Dame pulled one off in the final minutes. What do you got for us?
1: I mean, they played Virginia Tech in Blacksburg at night. It was a blackout. It was – if anything, it was kind of appropriate. It came down to a kick to win the game.
0: Yeah. That's probably true. The only thing that made it better for Virginia Tech is if it was on a Thursday night. It was Thursday night in Blacksburg. <laughs> they had problems. So, they're out there playing interstate, man. Everybody's jumping. I'm sure Notre Dame was worried. They got to find their quarterback, Jack Cones, not the guy. I'd probably stick with the other kid, but that's just me. You
1: know, Terrell, it's like I told you when B, uh, when BK was leaving UC to go take the Notre Dame job. At Notre Dame, the fan base is never going to be happy because they don't understand that it's not, you know, 1920 to 1988. And the it's the fan base that thinks you're going to come out and have a shot at the title every year. And realistically, they just don't. And – because of that, those are always going to be expectations. Even with him passing, Rockne is the all-time weakness coach. If he had stated yeah. at UC, look at what Fickle's doing. He could have already been doing this for an additional five years. Now I told you that, man, you brought up Southwest Ohio recruiting. You recruit the best players in the city of Cincinnati, you can compete. And then you sprinkle in some from, like, your real football hotbeds, like your Florida's, your Texas's, your Alabama's, your California's, and then you really have an opportunity to push on a national level.
0: The problem is those kids from those sunny places don't want to go to South Bend because the only thing good in South Bend is the Golden Dome at Notre Dame and the stadium, and that's about it. No offense to from South Bend, but if you've been there, you know what I mean.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Notre Dame, realistically, their major pools that they've actually – or way, the areas they've majorly recruited from actually are like Pennsylvania, Northern Ohio, Michigan, you know, when Indiana has an occasional player. And then over into New Jersey and New York. They've always—it's always been more of a cold weather recruit that's gone there, as opposed to a warm weather recruit.
2: Don't forget Cincinnati. All the Catholic schools down there—they pull from. That's
1: true. Uh, Absolutely.
2: I'm one of the people who think with athletes making money now. We already talked this one again. I think Notre Dame can make a comeback because nobody's got more money than Notre Dame, and now if players make money. I think you'll start to see them uh, get a little better. All right, I want to talk Buckeyes because they are back. Back to And I can't wait to see that 66 17 score against Michigan. But it's against Maryland this week. It was 35-0 at halftime. Stroud, five touchdowns, 406. I think he's back in the hall in the Heisman talk. Olave 120, two touchdowns. He's going to be a hell of a pro player. Uh man, I think they're back. They're back. Who wants some?
0: I mean, I don't think they ever really some. left, to be honest with you. I just think they had a harder schedule beginning the season than most teams. You know what I'm saying? So they had a little more of a golf to go through, and they had a true freshman playing quarterback. Everybody in the house, state, nation needs to, need to calm down or whatever. Get off this kid's back. He's 19 years old. He's figuring it out with a borderline janky defense. They can score points, but can they still stop people? That's the question. We know they can score points. Can they stop people? That's still the jury is out. I'm not sure. And
1: So everybody get off, the
0: get off the kid's back.
1: And to, you to know, kind of pitch in where for uh, Terrell, I really think that, Dane, like, well, you make a good point out that, you know, is Ohio State probably the better team than Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. They probably are. But the thing is, with Michigan running the ball the way they have, they're actually able to control the clock. And Ohio State's defense hasn't shown the ability to consistently shut down a top flight program. It's, um, Oregon just lost their running backs. They're pretty much done for the year. But that dude ran over
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they don't play defense in Columbus any longer. I don't know why anybody's not playing defense anymore because it still wins championships. So, uh, but Ohio State's D's been bad. I mean, with that many five-star recruits, you should be able to shut teams down. Now, they just beat the two fraud Big Ten teams, Rutgers and Maryland. I'll never accept them. They don't belong in the Big Ten. It's not football out there, for crying out loud. But all those are is good recruiting grounds for real schools out here in the Midwest. So,
1: Crab cakes and football was what Maryland did. Right, uh, Crab cakes and football, right?
2: Yeah, crab cakes football. They don't play no football in Maryland. Here. Uh, what do we got here? Alright, so Ohio State's back. Michigan 32, Nebraska 29. It was a close one. Martinez from Nebraska, 291. Three touchdowns. Uh, so Michigan did have some trouble stopping him at times. Uh, Michigan had 204 rushing yards, though. They averaged 5.9. That's usually a recipe for success. Haskins 21 carries,
0: looked like it was 124, two touchdowns. It was a good game. Yep. No, I mean, they, they did what they had to do, went to a hostile environment. I think Nebraska is getting better as a team. They're better than we were earlier this year. I think that uh, next year, Frost Coach Frost will have them a little more respectable. Uh, I think they're going in the right direction. Hopefully, Nebraska's fan base gives them a chance to really build the program because they'd really fallen off probably further than what they even thought they did. But, um, you know, I'm glad that Michigan pulled out the win because it was it was a tough one. So, I'm good with it. And Michigan's quarterback of the future, I think it's going to be legit. So, look out for him. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he was a five-star. He looks like a five-star. Has an arm of five-star. Can run like a five-star. Right now, he just isn't experience. But the, the experience guy play, let him manage the offense, and uh, hopefully they can play good enough defense when the Ohio State game comes around later in the year. So, that's all I got.
1: Ross is always going to get extra time in Nebraska. He's a you know he's a former Heisman Trophy winner, national champion coming back, and his offense is really specific. And he does, and he has to have his players for it. He's I think this is the end of year three, or this will be his third year. So next year is really when he has to cash some of those checks that he's that he's run. All
2: right, hot take. He has a senior team. He has a senior quarterback. This was his year to make a move. Next year, he's gonna have to replace Martinez. He's gonna have to replace a bunch of players that aren't winning now. He's still guys. He's done. He wins four games next year. He's fired, and Nebraska's on the hook for that paycheck, and they gotta pay it. And I'll feel bad for him. So well, that's
0: a terrible hot take. His players are coming in. All these uh, seniors know nothing but losing. Uh, just the best that they're gonna be. Blah 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 blah. Come next year, as all Frost players come in, they're all stepping up. They're all on board from the beginning with this program. I think he's going to take it to the bowl game, take the next step. He's not losing his job next year. That's my I take.
2: Okay, we'll see. You're going to owe me one of the drinks we made if uh, – yeah, that works. It's it fire.
1: I'll say I'll say this. And, you know, in Denver, because, you know, we are kind of like the major city of the plains and the mountains, There are the biggest collection of alumni outside of, you know, Lincoln – um, for Nebraska is actually Denver. Same as you know, with outside of Kansas City, the biggest collection of uh, KU and uh, K State fans is in Denver. Um, I have a lot. I know a lot of people that are Nebraska fans. I'm not hearing anyone really complaining about Scott Frost right now because they know how bare the cupboard was.
2: So that's how far that program's fallen. Probably the best program in the '90s has fallen to accepting losing on a regular basis. I'm all for it. <laughs> I like it. Just give up. Just give up. <laughs> giving your money. Just quit. Send Frost back to Central Florida. It's over. All right. All right. So we're going just- to just. You can go Akron,
1: right?
0: Huh? Yeah. Through oh, the room. We're They're not
1: talking Akron. Bring it back.
0: Through the room. They, won. they won. They beat Bowling Green. Come on,
1: man. After- I actually you- worked, hey Dana, worked with a girl that went to Kent. And oh, yeah. I told her about your rant last week. She's like, yeah, Akron sucks. They do suck.
2: But when Lane Kiffin gets fired at Ole Miss and starts over again as the best mid-major coach in the nation, <laughs> as the Akron Zips coach, no one will be talking like that. Hey, we're going hey, to we have to hustle through NFL. to We're going yeah. um, we'll to move it quickly. Yep, we're moving quick. We're going to do Browns Chargers first because I'm Mad Stefanski. Your play calling stinks. Defense coordinator Joe Woods, your play calling stinks. This is a talented team, and you lost the game. The hate Baker's getting is not deserved. As he is he as good as some of these bigger quarterbacks, ceiling's probably not as high, right? But he is. He's shown he can win games. You guys seen it firsthand against Cincinnati last year. He can make the throws. The play calling sucks. When they were up and it was third and eight, and he ran the ball on a power or draw on third and eight, when the coach for the Chargers played the win, they converted four Four, three, four downs on one drive i believe it was because they knew they couldn't stop them right the browns punting right uh, just got totally out there's one coach is staley he was a quarterback at dayton back in the day all right made play made the calls right the browns were up pretty big at halftime got a fumble and a field goal there before the half um uh, I can't say enough about Justin Herbert. Me and Terrell have talked about this before. I hate when I'm wrong. I was completely wrong on this dude. 398 yards, four touchdowns, and clutch throws. But his rating was 122. Baker, 305, two touchdowns, 122.5 rating. But here's the difference. Quarterbacks get paid for the fourth quarter, right? Lamar Jackson, we'll get to that in a second, did it again last night with no time. Baker's got to find a way to make plays. The play calling sucks, but he's got to find a way to make plays. And one other thing on this game that really made me mad, the interference call on fourth down was the worst interference call I've ever seen in my life. You can't change a game with that kind of – it was fourth and 12. They threw a bomb to Mike Williams, who absolutely killed the Browns with eight receptions, 165, two touchdowns. Just garbage. Garbage officiating, garbage coaching. Clown he didn't play because you know when you pay him, he's only going to play 10 games a year. I'm not happy with what I'm seeing. I'm tired of the garbage. There's actually talent on this team for a change. He got Stefanski running a draw. Odell Beckham was targeted three times, got 20 yards. This is pathetic.
1: Hey, you know, you, know the- you know
0: who's getting targeted, though? No getting targeted. You know, they took the L. The Bengals took the L. Jamar Chase getting targeted by Joe Burrow. Yes. The Bengals lost to the Packers, but that duo is going to be good. They're going to be solid for years. Longest bro doesn't keep taking hits like he did in the game. a he, hey, no joke, he got hit. He was on the ground. They didn't show the replay of it. He was on the ground. They weren't moving. He wasn't moving. The stadium was silent. It was crazy. I think he thought – I think he heard the stadium. He like, all right, I need to get up and jog off this field and let everybody know that I'm okay. So, if he had to, like, get carried off or walked off, whatever, everybody was completely worried about him. But he got up. He jogged off. There was a big sigh of relief. Yes, Bengals took the L. I forgot what the score was. The Crazies in overtime. Kickers are terrible. Kickers, you have one job. You have one job. And you missed five field goals from two minutes left in the fourth quarter through overtime. That's absolutely crazy. And one of them, for the Bengals, he thought it was in. Everybody thought it was in. He kicked it. He's celebrating. And, no, it's the flag in the upright. I mean, I was standing next to, like, some Packers fans at that point in time because, we gotten up because the Packers had turned. We thought they were gonna we thought the Bengals were gonna lose. Gonna kick the field goals and be over. Well he missed the field goal. The Bengals were down. So we we're gonna win. Thought the Bengals were gonna win. He kicked the field goal, missed it. Overtime. Interception. All right, it's gonna be over. Missed it. Absolute craziness. Like the ups and downs in that game, all because of kickers. This is why you don't leave it to the kickers at all to win game. That's just what it is. Take care of it early. Don't put it in the kicker's hand or on the kicker's foot. No offense, to kickers out there, but yeah, play football. Don't leave it to them.
2: Kickers sucked all weekend, Lee. What do you think about the kickers? They suck. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's one of those games where if you, th- it's one of the same if you think about it. Tom Brady's not Tom Brady without Adam Vinatieri. Just Put it out there. That is that is kind of the the epitome of the kicker species, right?
0: Yeah, one job, and Adam Vinatieri did it every time. Oh, look
1: yeah. at but, it. Twice. but there's a caveat to it. I guarantee. I know that Dan. I guarantee you played in at least one game where you guys thought something was totally in hand, and he either went south or you had to come over some overcome something to win the game. Yeah, I
2: lost it, a state championship my senior year because we missed a field goal in the third overtime that would have sealed it. Ended see. up losing in five. No offense, to that guy. I love that dude. He baller, but you know it happens. You know what I mean? So everybody's experienced the kicking thing. I just did it in a rough
1: spot. <laughs> for me, like one of my, like, I think probably my favorite game I played in my entire time in college, uh, we ended up having to go, I think to triple overtime because our kicker missed the chip shot, uh, against Thomas Moore our senior year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's experienced the kicking thing Uh but a kicker also can save you. It's just the only thing you hate about football is as you bust your butt for all that game, right? Like, look at the Colts last night. They had that game in hand, and that dude said his hip hurt and just started missing field goals after – I mean, my God. But like Terrell said, put it in the end zone. Put it in the end zone. Play to win. That's what the Chargers did. You know what? And then the Chargers actually missed a field goal to tie the game at 42, right? And you know what I said at the time? Worst thing that could have happened to the Browns because now Stefanski has a one-point lead – and he's going to run a uh, Woody Hayes offense for the next two plays. It doesn't work anymore, and they're going to lose the game. Stefanski, what's wrong with you? You want the pen? You didn't go to Akron. You want the pen? What's your problem? Who's calling hey, I believe
0: it's cool too. You think, hey, you think he you know better? You think you know oh. better, hey? You also think that this was? You also think this is get real with Dane. It's not. It's just the NFL segment. Oh man, you know, are, we, are we doing the rundown, or are we just
2: going to go straight to hospitality? Real quick, Steelers 27, Broncos 19, Broncos back to life, although Bridgewater had a pretty good game. But bottom line is uh, Steelers were able to run the ball. Najee Harris 23, 122 and a touchdown. So Steelers got some life a little bit, a little bit of life here against Denver. Yep, uh, agreed. Real quick, the Chiefs, I, I agree with a lot of what the pundits are saying. They're probably done. They just don't look good right now. They could still get hot, but that division's good. The Bills are going to win it. Uh, they won thirty. Right. Buffalo Bills, stand by it. Yeah, they're they're killing people like this, is like the you old know, Georgia stuff in the NFL. Josh, yep. man, so going to be a
1: wild card, so they're still they're still going to be dangerous.
2: I want to just yeah. Vegas yeah, yeah, come back
1: to life. life. Vegas came back to life. Uh, the East is garbage, and the South isn't impressive, and the North I doubt's going to get three teams in because they're going to beat beat the hell out of each other.
2: Yeah, and here's another hot take. I think Lamar Jackson might win another MVP. I watched that game last night. No doubt the Colts gave it away, but he had 442 passing yards by the end, What well, four touchdowns, 14 carries for 62 yards. Dude had like over 500 yards of their offense was on him. That team, That team is terrible without Lamar Jackson. Wasn't he, like, over over
0: 80% completion percentage or something crazy? Yeah, yeah like, he was awesome. He was awesome. Everybody says he can't, like, read defenses and read coverage. You're out of your mind. You're going for 400 yards in the NFL?
2: Come on. it's man. a good defense. I know their defensive backs were depleted. I'm going to give Wentz a little love. He was pretty good. Not as ball kickers can't kick. 402 yards, two touchdowns. That was probably the best game I've seen Wentz play in a long time. But the Ravens are garbage garbage without Lamar Jackson that's how good he's been obviously Josh Allen's gonna be in the MVP discussions but his defense is awesome the Ravens actually suck they have two things they have a kicker and a quarterback and what do we just say you're gonna win games you've got a kicker and a quarterback Lamar Jackson would have got killed for losing to Detroit if Tuck wanted to hit that 66-yard field goal right
0: Um, that's true
2: yeah so that's where I'm at with that that's the NFL rundown Obviously. Note, before we go to
0: the next segment, I do want to give some props.
2: Because Obviously, Tom Brady is doing well this year. But you know who looks
0: super fast was Antonio Brown on that long touchdown. Do you see that? He caught the ball and he left everybody. Like, there was no thoughts about it. He caught it. He was gone. He didn't look like he was, he 33 years old? Somebody that. 34 years old? I all who, yeah. I was going to win a race from him to Deshaun Jackson. Those dudes are two of the fastest dudes in the league, and they're like 33-plus 30, years old. That's impressive. <laughs>
2: And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, Brady had five touchdown passes, 44 years old or something like that. It's crazy. Eat his Wheaties.
0: That T12 you know, diet.
2: He's not liking it. <laughs>
0: Vampire. All right. So, Dane, Lee, right, Lee, we brought you on because Dane and I a couple weeks ago talked about how can we save hospitality. And we talked about all the different things that were, that all the different issues we had in the hospitality industry, whether it's hotels, restaurants, Ubers you know DoorDash and those types of services what's going on what can we do and what the, what's the problem and i don't know if we really have truly topics to start with though but there's a lot of we can a lot of directions we can go so what are your thoughts man um
1: i mean hospitality right now as an industry as as a whole is totally in flux um that's just being totally honest about it um the so you know, I, I remember for me, like I've been in hospitality for 18 years. I started doing this when I was 22 years old. I'll be 40 in November. And I, you know, something I got into, I thought would just be a short time thing, but it really became kind of a part of who I was. And, I, and for a lot of us that arrive in hospitality, it doesn't matter if you're front of house or back of house um, cooking or, you know, bartending and serving in a way, kind of, you just kind of fall in love with it. And it's, I mean, cause it's not an easy job. That's flat out. It's not. It's one that requires late nights. Um, the level of multitasking you have to do is incredible. The, uh, I mean, I'm for me, I get told all the time at, by the other vendors in my workplace. They're like, oh wow, you're just always smiling all the time. And in my head, I'm like, one, I don't realize I am, and two, it's because that's just part part of my uniform. Like I go in and I am here to make sure that everyone has a good time. So that can be kind of draining at times. But by and large, like I love what I do. I love, you know, even doing like a little cocktail demo we did before. And I had my boss, a boss for me back in Cincinnati. It was actually uh, Gordo, uh, Terrell. And I think, Danny probably came to that bar when I worked there. Um, When I told Ray I was leaving, he was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that you'll always be able to provide for yourself. You'll always be able to put food on the table for your family because you're good at what you do. And for a lot of us, especially that we're working in hospitality in 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, we kind of wrote out that recession pretty well, truthfully. Like, I mean, it was, in a way, food and beverage has always felt like it's recession-proof. Well, we found out what happens when people can't go out to eat. And the hospitality industry was absolutely decimated during the pandemic. And we're still trying to figure out how do we come back from it. Um, there's a lot of things that are on the table right now. Like you go out to eat a lot of times like, Dane, you were talking about getting like really faded or just gross menus out here. Um, you're not seeing a lot of actual hands-on menus anymore. It's, Hey, scan this QR code and it's on your phone. And that's sometimes you order straight from your phone. Sometimes you're actually ordering with a server. Um, bartenders, it's always different. You're the interaction is way more intimate than what it is with a server on a table between a bartender and a bar guest. It's different. Um, But you're seeing a lot of depersonalization happen. And that's part, that's a big change. Uh, The other thing, like we were telling you guys, we were doing kind of our pre-show rundown. I saw an industry article that basically said don't expect fast food restaurants to have dine-in service anymore within the next two to three years, if not sooner than that, because people aren't coming in to eat anymore. People are either getting their food to go, uh, people are utilizing food delivery services, or people are, um, or restaurants are doing their own delivery to kind of cut out the fees that you have to pay to a DoorDash or a GrubHub. So that interact, that person-to-person interaction is going to become less and less. And I think people have grown accustomed to that through the pandemic and just so much food delivery happening. Um, I, I
0: also think that on, on that note, I also think that restaurant owners or, you know, those franchise owners or whatever they're running those businesses, they could probably recoup some of their costs too with that because they don't have to have as many workers in the facility because they don't have to have cashier, as many cashiers. Worked in the restaurant, work in the front of the house, working to clean the front of the house or whatever that may be because, you know, a lot of the interactions done, you know, through technology, you know, through their phones, through tablets or laptops or, you know, they place orders in those different ways. So that's another way that, that you know, for the restaurant, they're probably trying to figure out ways to recoup their money that they're losing and that's the way they can cut costs
1: it's a problem that's facing almost all industries in a way is how do you battle the actual human component or how do you balance the human component against automation and that doesn't matter if it's hospitality if it's in a warehouse if it's in a factory there's that's always kind of been a balance that the worker in a way has had to focus on Um, i think and but you know as you're saying like you should be able to streamline that if you're putting more people into the production side of it um but that's not the case. I just saw yesterday, I think it was on NBC News, that there was a survey done of like, I wanted it was over three months, and over 15% of the orders coming out of drive through windows are wrong. <laughs> that's a fact. And, I mean, I've heard you go must on about that. Around here,
2: down where I live.
1: Yeah. Um, so in, in reality, like, if, if you're Minimizing the human interaction so that people can focus more on putting out a product. The product should be put out more accurate.
2: No, that's not
0: happening.
1: And, and, no, and and it's not. Well,
0: happening. And you know why? Because they're trying to like, especially those fast food places. They're probably they're probably trying to keep up with those numbers or those metrics that are. Um, that, that they can track. And that's when be probably speed of service coming through the drive-thru. So they're trying to get through these orders because now mm-hmm. they have longer drive-thru lines and you know, people are probably waiting there honking the horns or whatever, like what's taking so long, blah, 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 whatever else. And they're messing up orders. And, yeah. and there's really no way to really come back from
2: oh, that I did a little investigation of this too, real quick on the uh, mm-hmm. wrong orders. So here's part of the problem with the wrong orders. And I can see where this would be a major problem, right? I worked at Burger King. I used to be back in high school used to be two places you can get the food from the front counter or the drive-thru. Now they got DoorDash orders coming through Grubhub orders coming through orders coming through from all these apps. Then you got people coming in then you got people coming to the drive-thru. So I have a little sympathy for the incompetence that's going on. But like I said, I do think there's some too many people just don't care. Right. I hate to say that. That's the bottom line too. There's just not a lot of people taking pride in what they do a lot of times any longer. I don't know. And usually
0: it. those those cashiers are the ones that are checking the orders, like last, before they yeah, hand you know. them out. They check the ticket that's there. while I worked at Taco Bell for years, I used to always cover the drive-thru. And I would make sure to look it in the bag, look at the order, and, and check it with my receipt and make sure it was what it was. If not, I'd go get it or figure out what was going on. It's usually like the last line of the fence before you hand it out to the customer. And now, they, yeah, it just
2: seems they don't have those checks and balances. A, don't. I'm like, I'm yeah, I, I don't leave the, the window. Years. I don't leave the window anymore until I check my bag because it's just, it's that bad. You know what I mean? But,
1: um, you know, and for me, like, on, like, you know, more of, like, the, like, ca- casual to fine, like, aspect of it. Normally, there's an expediter in the kitchen that is literally checking every order, making sure every plate looks good, giving it its wipes and you're sending it out. You know, that's still happening in that caliber restaurant, but there's no one there doing that in your fast casuals or in your um, drive throughs and that's kind of like the other part that's really affecting the business right now is there are a lot of people that left in mass. Um, like a lot of people that I was working with, it had been kind of on the same level I was in terms of experience or years in the industry. Um, we left and we didn't come back. Uh, the job I had during the pandemic, I initially wasn't planning on going back to, um, going back to behind the bar, but I, I had an opportunity to come across my plate that I couldn't pass up. Um, now, now being said, like I've also started doing things a lot more entrepreneurial, uh, some things that I learned how to do in terms of online classes and demos and stuff. Um, but I'm still doing that. and still working with some other partners in that regard. But, you know, there are people that are now, now the people that I used to bartend with, they're doing real estate. They're doing, um, they're basically repping for liquor or beer codes. Um, They've chosen to honestly just leave the industry in general and go, I mean, hell, some of them are working for Amazon right now. Some of them are working for King Super, I'm sorry, Kroger, and all these other companies because they have these options to go to a place. It was like, well, the money's consistent. They're offering me benefits because that's one thing that most people don't think about in our industry is, you know, you do make, make good money. Working working as a bartender, as a server, <clears throat> honestly, even as a chef, in a lot of places, um, you make you make solid money. It, it, are you getting rich off of it? No, you're not. But it's really solid money. But it's sometimes inconsistent. You know, you have your heavy months, you have your slow months. If you're working for tips, but what a lot of us are looking for is, if you if you're sick, you don't get paid. If you want to like go see your in my case, or being here in Colorado, there's so many people that are from other places. Um, I want to go see my family. I have to take time off from work. I don't get paid. Um, my insurance that I pay that private insurance, I'm not going to say the number on here, but it is insane
0: because, uh, been,
1: what's that?
0: that but it's sky high, for sure.
1: Oh, it, it's ridiculous. And so for a lot of us, it's like, well, I have no retirement. I have no PTO. I have no sick pay. I have no no benefits or I have no insurance benefits at all. Why am I going to still put myself through this to make, you know, whatever I'm making when I can, you know, take a little bit less job or take a little bit less either on the hour or in terms of a salary, maybe give up some of that definite money in terms of a commission job, but I get those benefits and I get those other things. So it's created this vacuum in a way and there's people that were really skilled about hospitality because it, it's a trade it's a craft uh, knowing how to be able to handle you know, if you're in the kitchen for example handling 15-20 checks of states that are all at different temps or you know, having to take care of all the modifications or God forbid the dietary restrictions that some people have you're juggling all this and at the same point in time you're trying to be efficient and th- that's a learned skill that's a learned pace to work at and a lot of those people are gone. And that's why it takes forever to get your drinks. That's why it's taken forever to get your food out. So uh, even fast food orders are coming out messed up because people are like, nah, I'm good on this. I'm going to go, you know, I might be able to, I mean, the other thing too is like in Colorado, we're fortunate. I sent you that thing a while ago, Terrell, about how I saw a tip minimum wage in Ohio is going up to nine twenty an hour. Well, minimum wage in Denver is 15 bucks an hour. And for TIP's minimum wage, so TIP minimum is less than regular minimum wage because you figure a solid amount of your income is going to come from TIP's. Our TIP minimum wage in Colorado is a couple of dollars higher than what the actual minimum wage is in Ohio. So there's also that translation when people are like, I'm not going to come in and have to deal with all these headaches I already have to deal with and get paid less than what I feel like my labor is worth.
2: Well, what, let me ask you because this is a big one for me because I think I truly think people just the lack of tipping, especially in my area, is what's part of what's killing the industry and nobody's coming back. All right, I can tell you a story right now. Someone had a seven hundred sixty-something dollar bar tab, Lee. Right, sixty-five shots of Patron. They left twenty bucks. Like you served that person all night. Like if you don't tip somebody, you're essentially asking them to work for you for free, and it's wrong. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to tell you right now, everybody, especially in my area, because it's bad. Don't go out if you're not going to tip, right? Absolutely. I just mean, don't do it, man. Yeah. It's wrong. It's messed up. Those people work hard. They're short staff, right? And then mm-hmm. people are going to tip. And then people, is it just me? You've been doing this a long time. People are being jerks, too, out there. That's another reason people yeah. don't do this any longer. The,
1: uh, right? the, the feel-good aspect of it from the start of uh, when things started to reopen it's largely gone. Um, now it's now gone from I'm just so happy to be here to where the hell is my stuff? And that's, and, and also that's like creating, that's furthering the unhappiness people have with the business, the uneasiness they've had with the business, and then people more and more people be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm
0: done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the question is, and as far as the, the exodus and the issues that are out there, like, Who's really at fault for everything? Is it the customers because they're not tipping? Is it management? Is it employees because they're not they're not putting in the effort for it or they're just, oh, they feel like they're overworked and that's not their fault. You know, it's just nowadays, there's just not as many, there's not as many people out there working. So it's hard for them to be as efficient. And, you know, they have to try to adjust. I mean, is, is there someone at fault or is it just a combination of things?
1: I don't think anyone's particularly at fault. I think it's actually... The the pandemic just showed a big old uh, bright spotlight on kind of problems that were systemic within the industry. Um, In a way, like the industry's dealt with a little bit of a sexual harassment reckoning. It's dealt with uh, a lack of inclusivity or honestly being kind of whitewashed. It's still continuing to deal with those problems. And now this equity problem or equality program problem is now kind of another avenue that we're actually having to deal with. Um, Danny brought up tipping. There's, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know who Danny Meyer is big restaurateur in uh, New York has like uh, one union square uh, shake shacks, what he's known for as his fast casual concept. Do you actually don't tip any of his restaurants? there's a surcharge added to your bill that is distributed amongst both your front and your back of house and with that that allows them to offer benefits to everyone um it offers actually because traditionally in our business the front of house always makes a lot more than yeah. your average line cook does well, um, so that's one thing it's really addressing it and in a way there's going to be like some systemic changes. And I think there's honestly
0: going to be a lot of systemic changes that happen across all industries.
2: I got a question on the, on the uh, surcharge, right? Yeah, so. did they Do a study on that. And they said service got even worse. Right. I know in Europe, they don't tip. And, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I thought they, there was something out there that said restaurants have tried that. Like I know they did in New York city and some of mm-hmm. them went right back to the tip program. Because there was no incentive for anybody to hustle or do what they need to do if they have to split with everybody, right? Isn't that an issue? Don't you think? Um, I've more? not seen. Basically, communism, man. Might as well be Russia if they're going to put a surcharge on it.
1: Well, if you think about it in a way, yeah, I can see how being guaranteed a tip is being guaranteed essentially money on top of the cost of the food and the drink uh, could lead people to could lead some people to complacency that comes back to your managers and your leadership though. Um, I've been really, I've been really fortunate that everyone I've worked with as a manager, especially here in Colorado or in something I've even done when I've managed or led a team is that we, we hold ourselves to a standard. And if your people don't hold yourself themselves to your standard, you either get them to that standard or you get them out the door. Um, all in all, I do think that one thing we do a lot out here in Denver is it's not uncommon to see tip pooling between both like your bar staff, your service staff. I mean, the place I currently work at, we pool the tips for the entirety of the week and then break that down to an hourly rate, regardless of what shift you work. Um, and for us, that increases in equity, uh, or I'm sorry, it increases our equity, not inequity. Um, so I think that's good. And I think that if people hold themselves to so a high standard, they're not going to slip just because, because, um, because you're guaranteed, a I just call it a 20% surcharge. Because every place out here that I know that does that, there's actually a line for an additional tip because, hey, did, did the staff go above me on what your expectation was? Then that, that in a way is passing along that what it costs to have a staff and have a well-trained staff and to retain a well-trained staff.
2: All right, so let me ask you the big question here. This is what I want to know. All right, I just got done. I'm not going to name the restaurant because it's a fancy restaurant here. People like. They had enough water in the bottom of my pasta. I could have poured it in the bathtub and took a bath in it. Then I got mozzarella sticks that are black as uh, coals. that you've seen on the picture. Yeah, I saw the terrible. When am I, get, and you know, I, you're not in this area, so you don't know how bad it is. And I've lived in a lot of different places. So I truly believe this is one of the worst areas I've ever lived in it would be, in terms of food service and restaurants are awful. I want, I want to know, when am I going to be able to go back out to eat and get service at a decent time and get some decent food? Like, when is this going to happen
1: again? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could give you a better answer than that. I feel that, I mean, hell, like out here, And we're a hospitality driven economy. That's one of the reasons why I chose to move to Colorado is you know, we got year round tourism. Everybody flies into Denver because if you're not flying into Denver, you're flying into a small regional airport. And typically, unless you got the money to fly into one of those on a small or private jet, you're flying into Denver and it's your spur off for everywhere else in the state. Um, I feel like our hospitality is kind of in a way back to, the level of services in a way back to where it was pre-pandemic. Um, and I think that that's going to happen mostly in your hospitality-driven areas and somewhat a place like the Lehigh Valley where, you know, you might not have that. It's what, it's gonna be getting people to come back in so that places to retain their staffs, they can actually adequately staff their staffs and then put those, uh, put those protocols or safeguards into place. That's a chicken and egg conversation.
2: We need bar rescue. Two i <laughs>
1: the biggest fan of John Tafford. He yeah. uh,
2: right, put him he, out.
1: He's a lot of people putting money in his pocket to put their products in a bar. And then once he's out, those I don't bars care. tend to fall down.
2: If he fixes it, I don't care. I want him to come out here and yell at all these people. Oh, <laughs>
1: well, that's what we got to do. We got to, uh, we'll get this restaurant and bar consulting uh, program up and running, and we'll go from there.
2: Uh, oh, so, I, so recap real quick. Be a decent human being and tip. Uh you companies trying to find you a way to get some me. benefits, right? Yeah. Uh obviously, maybe a surcharge. We're up in the air on that. Uh you know, uh treat people with respect, customers. I think I I honestly believe a lot of it's customer driven. You ever follow the hey. bartender? Oh, you ever follow yeah. that? That oh, that yeah. just Go on that, people, and you see how bad it really is, right?
0: Also, managers worry. treat the employees with respect.
2: Yes, yeah, so yes, treat your employees with respect. Quit preying on young girls, quit doing all the creepy stuff. Uh, Amen. you know, and I don't know, like a lot of these owners get involved in your business. What's the number one thing on bar rescue? The owner doesn't know what the hell's going on, right? Doesn't know yes. the cost, anything, doesn't know how to manage his business, right? So, you know, that's some of the things that's got to be fixed. I think it's fixable, but ultimately people just need to be decent human beings and treat each other, with respect and tip. Right. I think. Yeah. treating I mean, people I
1: think that's I think that's a, just like treat people with respect, understand that it's a tough time for everyone and that we're all working through it. And as pissed off as people might get when they have to wait for their drinker have to wait for their food as a staff, we're not being like, Oh, it's no big deal. When you know, I don't. The last couple of places I've worked at behind the bar, they've been more like a food hall type of concept where we're not actually handling food. But from when I used to manage full service restaurants, or when I would bartend in full service restaurants, there's it. It drives us crazy. It spikes our anxiety when we can't figure out why the hell your food's not out yet, or why your drinks aren't out yet, and we're trying to figure that out just as quickly as y'all are because we all know that if people are unhappy. It takes just, you know, 30 seconds for an upset person to blast you on Yelp or Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform it is. And if it's the wrong person, man, they can wreck you and they can yes. wreck a business yes. just because they're they're upset, they're vindictive, and we're trying our best.
2: Lee, all I want is clean silverware. If I'm with two people, I want two napkins. Dude, I want a I, server I, to come over to me and actually get my order. I don't want brown lettuce in my salad, right? Come on. Come on. I, I, on. Going I, extra crispy. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> want what was that?
1: Come Dude, it, it, I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, service as a whole, it's rough. And, I mean it's there are people right now that I that are they're trying, but they don't they have don't have they don't have the right systems in place. And then but think- also a lot of and a lot of them too and i'll be straight with you bro there's a lot of people in the business that are here for a cash grab yeah. and don't take that level of pride or i mean i i can tell you the stuff that i used to have to do even working in you know chain restaurants that, that were you know casual to upscale casual you know the level of stuff i had to do and then like some stuff i see like how we just went out to eat on sunday and you know, the service was fine but it was just kind of for Amanda and I, as people that have both been hospitality professionals, it's like, whoa, where like where's
2: the fall down out here? All I know is, and this is the one thing I'll finish with that makes me as fired up as anything. When you go into a place, there's hardly anybody in there, there's three, four people working, they're screwing off like it's Vanderpump rules, and all I want is a drink. Right? Dude, what I is agree the with deal? You. That makes that probably fires me up more than anything. Because I'm not blaming that on anything other than just. Manager, probably the manager needs some
1: uh that's correction. Manager and that's people just not taking pride hiring people. the
2: wrong right. people, nobody cares, and then they want you to tip them, which I'm that guy that does anyway. But you know, sometimes I can understand why they're not getting it too. So it goes both ways. So
0: Absolutely. we might have to we might have to
2: have a, a part three as far as this. I'm sure it's still
0: plenty to talk about, and probably we probably talk about a few different things we want to as far as this. So, Lee, we'll definitely have you back out here to talk about this uh, hospitality industry, how we can save it. Because obviously, we're not going to do it all in one show. So, Lee went up, he got another drink. Smart man. I should have done the same. But, um, you know, we'll have to, I guess, talk with the hospitality industry will do that to you uh, as far as doing that. But we will keep pushing. And as far as everything and get into our rapid fire topic, Dane, we got you. Keep it on, keep on the hospitality industry soon. We're going to talk about. This or that
2: chain restaurants. What you got for it? We're uh, let you- so so just to preface this, all these places suck right now. So it's just a matter of which one's worse, right? Uh, <laughs> you tell me which one, Lee and Terrell. Here we go. The which one's was worse? All right. Domino's or Pizza Hut? Which one's worse? Yeah. No, which one would you rather have? Say the one you'd rather have. Domino's. Domino's. I'm gonna have to go Domino's because pizza it takes four hours to deliver around here. All right, <laughs> Papa John's or Little Caesars.
1: Papa John's, yeah, hot and ready.
2: Oh. Hot and ready, yeah. It's because at least you know you're gonna get it. You get the party, Go get your hot pizza. I do. I like Papa John's better. They're not too bad around here. All right, these two places: Applebee's or Fridays.
0: Oh God, neither. Applebee's for a Brutus. Neither. <laughs> yeah. Um... It gets worse. I guess Applebee's. Applebee's. Applebee's is a go-to. Hey, no. Hey, back – no. I'll say Friday. The Fridays are still around here in Ohio. Friday. That's what I'm doing.
2: You guys don't have Fridays anymore, huh? Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen them for a while.
0: They don't have any flair anymore. Okay. Chili's or Olive
2: Garden? Mmm. Olive Garden to me has gone downhill. It's been garbage for years now. It used to be. See,
0: I've never been a huge fan of Olive Garden.
2: Like I've had it more recently, and
0: I've, it's been on the up and up for me. I, I'd rather go get like um, Lee. Where'd you used to work? I
1: mean, I'm gonna go with Olive Garden. Are you? Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I, go with Chili's.
0: I, I'll say Chili's, but Lee, where's the place you used to work back in the day? Italian restaurant? Bravo. Oh, uh, I mean, Brillo. Yeah, I really. Yeah, I like Brill. Yeah. I mean, Brillo uh,
2: what do we got? Bonefish or red lobster? This one's pretty easy for me. I mean, I'm gonna say bonefish for the bang bang shrimp, the red lobster
1: for the rolls. Shatter bay biscuits beat bang bang shrimp any day.
2: Yeah, the red lobster biscuits are not to die for. It's like food crack, right? But. <laughs> Bonefish. And you know what? The bonefish around here is actually pretty good. They're not, they're, they'll serve you actually. I know I actually go there because I know I can actually get a meal there. That's what it's come down to. I just go where I know that I'm going to get served, not what I feel like. All right. Waffle House or Sonic?
1: I <laughs> hit Sonic kind of on the regular because I feel like whenever uh, we're traveling into the mountains. I can usually find a place to get a uh, breakfast toaster and a cherry lime at any, any time of day, <laughs> but, but I will take Waffle House. I just can't find one out here close.
0: <laughs> I can find both out here close uh, it during the day. Sonic for sure. Uh it after midnight, after beverages, Waffle House.
2: Uh, I agree. Waffle House, especially after uh, Tangerine Tonics. <laughs> All right. Sheets or
1: Speedway?
0: Speedway, there's no sheets out here.
1: I have no idea what sheets is, but I hit a speedway a lot, even though we ain't them out here right. either. You guys don't have
2: Wawa either, right? Nah. No, that's that's a Philly thing.
1: I thought you yeah, guys like, had uh, sheets, sheets in Sinclair. Oh,
2: they have sheets in uh, Ohio in the part you know from Northeast. All right, uh, let me ask you this: Do you guys have Turkey Hill? No. Like the ham? No rudders. No, it's uh, if it, they have like gas stations out here. Oh, with the food. All right, so that one's a wash, everybody. But you know what I like about these places? The gas station made to order is probably better than and quicker than any of the other places (laughs) around here. A Dane will eat hot dogs or whatever food is in a gas station in a The Speedway make your own hot dogs in Detroit when I lived there was a... Go to me and my boss be sitting there, put so many jalapenos on them. Our foreheads be sweating in there. It,
1: it sounds to me like what you need to do. What you're looking for is just a bodega with a gas station.
2: <laughs> That's Detroit. All right. right. <laughs> what do we got? Oh, uh, okay. Popeye's or KFC. will finish it with my favorites. Chicken. Popeye's spicy. Yeah. Popeye's. Popeyes. Wow, it wasn't very convincing there on that answer, but I
0: know it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. I mean, neither. I don't so know.
2: where I'm at now, the Popeyes uh, just don't go hungry. You have to plan in it. You know, nowadays you have to plan in advance. So I know I'm going to be hungry in three or four hours, so I need to go order now. So <laughs> that's kind of how it works out here now. You know, if you know you're hungry. You gotta know when you're gonna be hungry now. Not if you're hungry. If you don't plan it, you're gonna you're gonna starve. All right. That's all I got for rapid fire. Those are all trash uh-huh. places, but you know, we, we gotta go. Sometimes you gotta make tough decisions, and that was that's tough right. say
0: so what's up to Daniel Lee. You're on the podcast. What's up? Well, <laughs> uh, making an appearance on the podcast. You'll be on the audio version too. So congratulations. You made your debut. Okay. Hold on real quick. We're going to finish the show. Like nice. Don't show everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that he has a hole in his sock. So apparently he's running around too much. With so. <laughs> shaming
1: shaming you, Dad.
0: Yeah. Yes. Hey, I, I am the resident dad between our, our, our group. So I'm holding it down for everybody. Dane, do you have any more for uh, Rapid Fire?
2: No, that's it. I can't think of any other places, you know. I just said, just make sure if you're in the lay Valley, plan when you're going to be hungry and order three to four hours ahead of time. Well,
0: I look forward to when we go out to Denver and Lee, uh, uh, have to go to some places, some Denver spots that aren't chain restaurants, and we'll to experience some of the good Denver food out there. So, looking forward to that. Until then, go on Get Real with Dane. Dane, what do you got for us?
2: Oh, man. hope oh, so I didn't want your son to hear this, but I got to talk calves again.
0: Sorry, he walked out of the room, so you're good. God.
2: Forty-one point loss in the first preseason game to the sorry ass Bulls. Forty-one points, and JB uh, said right, we might have some issues. What? What <laughs> issues? Forty-one points, JB. Why do you still have a job? Who? Gilbert. What is going on? You built a successful company, Rock and Field Mortgage House, and you're still paying Kevin Love thirty-three million. What are you doing?
0: I like
2: the And you know what? The only player they got with any real potential is Mobley. And he got lucky just for being bad. You fell for the third pick in the draft is the only reason you have any hope whatsoever. So I want to know why I have actually not renewed my pass this year for the cats. Yeah. I want you to ask on the Facebook, should I renew my cats? I to on
0: the after one year.
2: No, I've, I've been watching. Hey, you know, I've been watching the Cavs for years. I always pay to get these games. LeBron got you a chip
0: that should add some years to your past. Oh no, that's give you some time. He got you a chip being left now. they're rebuilding, you got to let them no. rebuild.
2: No, 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 well, no,
1: no. Simmons always used to talk about a five-year grace period after you win a title.
2: No, 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 no grace. There, you All should right. be watchable by now. This is year four. You should be competitive, right? They've won one preseason game. And it was Atlanta. Nobody cares. Nobody played. They suck. Who would I mean, Dave, okay. bypass, I'm gonna post the Cavs it. on the pass. And, if
1: you want, and you can jump on the Nuggets bandwagon because they're going to be fun to watch all year. Uh, nuggets, I think,
2: are, but, yeah. you know what, Gilbert, are going to be pretty good.
1: Yeah.
2: You know what, not any good, but the Nuggets are
1: going to be
2: good. Dan Gilbert's worth a billion dollars, and you're not getting – you know what, I might go monthly. I might give it monthly. might give you $19 this season to add to your fortune, maybe – And we'll go from there. But I'll tell you what. I won't refund it for last year. I won't refund it. I did not get my money's worth. Garbage product. You know what? We're just talking about the service hospitality injury. (laughs) I mean, industry has got me so worked up that, like, the only places offering worse service is you. The Cleveland Cavaliers is the worst product on the planet. The worst. I'd rather go watch – since UFC right now, you guys are so bad. All right, I'm done.
0: <laughs> you, got dog, you got dog FC since right hey, they're gonna be able to come up here soon. Give it some time, give it a chance. Cleveland, they've been around for a while, they've been pretty bad for a while. They got good when LeBron's here. Now LeBron's gone. Hey, might as well just sell the team. Get it while you can. Oh. But, um, yeah, I don't no, man. garbage. I don't know. All right. Now we got messaging money with rel today in the news. There's been a lot going on I'm talking about John Gruden, head coach of the Los angeles or no, sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know why I said Los Angeles. I almost could have said Oakland. Las Vegas Raiders. He obviously got caught up in uh, some emails that he sent uh, what 10 years ago, talking about uh, Dee Marie Smith, who's the players' union's uh, representative. Uh, I guess their lawyer and whatnot there, who's African American. So apparently there's some racist statements about him. There's also some misogynistic misogynistic statements that he had made. Off some homophobic slurs that were in that email as well. I guess they've been found in multiple emails, which I understand that uh, John Gruden he kind of talks with we'll call it a potty mouth as of right now. It doesn't have the most, um, I guess the best of language at times, but obviously, whatever's in this email, I haven't read it yet, but obviously, it's bad enough for him to resign from the Raiders. He said he wants to step down, didn't want to be a distraction. I'm sure it was a mutual thing, and the Raiders say, Hey. Probably best to go ahead and go. Either way, Gruden was in a ten-year, hundred million dollar year contract. And he was in year four of that contract, so that contract was also included stocks and probably part ownership of the team. So he's in year four, so he's losing at least sixty million dollars. And because of the content of that was in that email, he is going to probably lose future earnings as well because he would have been set up. Um, you know, he was already doing an announcing for Money Night Football. He went in to coach or went back to coach uh, NFL football. When he was done, Coach, I'm sure he could have found another job either in the front office somewhere or back announcing the full game because he was good at doing that. Either way, NFL is probably going to stay away from him for a while. So, yeah, that's tough for him. That's messy money, messy money long term too. I was wondering how many of the coaches are a little nervous right now because of what he's got caught up in because I'm sure he's not the only one. Thoughts about that, fellas?
2: Yeah, and the way he got caught too was just an investigation into another whole other case. So,
0: right, right. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as far as this. Like I said, I don't think he's he's going to be untouchable, at least for a while. Um, as I don't know what he said. but Obviously, like things, some things that were, you know, there's some slurs that are out there that were probably a little more acceptable 10, 12, 15 years ago that definitely aren't acceptable now. And People are getting called out on it. And, you know, it's tough because people may be different from their past and whatever. But, you know, right now, I think he's kind of the example right now, too. So we'll see what happens on that um, going on in the future. So that's why I messed with Money real because losing 60 mil plus, you know, probably wasn't going to take any retirement. It's hard to find jobs that are paid this kind of money. They don't fall, they don't just hang around on trees. So that's a tough spot to be in for sure. Hope you saved up. So on that note, Lee, we want to thank you for coming out and talking with us about the hospitality industry giving us your little expertise as far as beverages. You mean you're a resident mixologist and everything. Always have a good time, uh, as always. Um, what do you got for us, man? In closing, do you have any kind of social media handle or anything like that?
1: Uh, honestly, not so much uh, to plug right now, but I will say in terms of the uh, John Gruden thing, if uh, you say you can forget it, if you write it, you regret it.
0: Yep. So true. People should, people should watch what they write. If they're that concerned about some things, don't write the stupid stuff. There's a lot of things that fall in the category of stupid stuff. So if you think it's stupid, don't write it. It's pretty simple. I don't care what it is. So I'm with you on that for sure. So until then, like I said we're gonna we're gonna finish this up. Um, I'll have one more second for our audio. Uh, listeners uh, relax and take notes but until then you follow us on facebook at always relevant uh follow us. we'll have this on youtube Just look it up look us up always relevant a-l-w-i-s and then in quotes rel r-e-l-l and then event e-v-e-n-t always you can hashtag always relevant as well you can find us that way too uh you can look me up on twitter at franchise 1122 look up dane at d de mayo um, you have questions for us let us know if you have comments let us know that's so we know a lot of you were interested about the hospitality industry last time. So we wanted to talk a little bit further about it. I'm sure there's plenty more we could talk about it and get into. Uh, we just really kept it high level. So that we probably dedicate a whole show to it, to be honest with you. So something we we'll are looking forward to in the future. We'll be interested in talking about again with Lee. Lee, man, thanks for coming on the
2: show. We definitely appreciate it. Dane. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Dane, any final thoughts? Oh, we need to fix it, man. We gotta eat. I want to go out to eat again. We gotta fix it. Someone's gotta save it. Uh, I mean, these people are messing with their money. <laughs> let's get the, let's get some service out there. That's all I got. Excited for the Blue Jackets. I hate the Cabs. I'll see ya.
0: You heard it. We'll talk to y'all soon later. All right. See y'all. Hi everybody. Uh, this is Terrell again um, for our last segment. Relax and take notes. And today it was just I just I didn't know if I was gonna talk about this or not, but it was just interesting because um, what I'm gonna talk about is just kind of racism in general and the talks we have with our kids as far as racism. Um, you know, this past weekend I was golfing with some friends in a uh, golf scramble on the east side of Cincinnati, um, in the town of Goshen. And um, you know, was on the fairway, um, getting ready to hit a shot, and someone drives down the road, drives past, and screams out, um, you know, some some not so great obscenities in my direction, you know, racial obscenities and whatnot, you know, N words and whatever else he wanted to say. And it's just one of those things where you know, for me, you know, being a being an African American, you know, being out here it just makes me think I just need to always. Remember where I am in my surroundings, and I always do, but it was just that's just a reminder. But another thing I think about is like, you know, what am I going to tell my kids how to act in the situation when this takes place? You know, I love to feel like I love to say that you know this is not going to happen to them, but chances are it's going to happen to I have three kids, it's going to happen to all three of them at some point in time, they're going to be called whatever racial slur is out there because that's what someone wants to say or what someone wants to do. Um, You know, so you want to prepare them for that, but you don't want to kind of ruin the innocence that they have for life either, but you want to prepare them that this is probably coming down the line and this is how you handle yourself in those situations. So overall, you know, I'm just trying to teach my kids to be the best people that they can be regardless of how other people are out there treat them. Um, they shouldn't treat someone a certain way just because of their skin color because they're different or treat them, you know, any worse than what you want to treat yourself or treat your family. Just have respect for everybody. That's the main thing. And it just kind of sucks that in today's day and age that we're still having these same issues that we've always had. And everybody thinks that they're getting better. It's like, no, they're not getting better. People are just bolder. I don't want to say bolder. They're always willing to say what they're going to say. Um, it never surprised me when people say what they say. And no, I don't think it's everybody that's racist or that that's willing to say racist comments or whatever. You know, I definitely don't think that I know that from many of friends and many people that I've met over the years, but there's definitely people that are out there and that this is what they, this is what they are. This is who they are. This is what they've learned. This is what they know. And it's just one of those things that's frustrating and you just, you know, you want it to change, you want it to stop and you wish that it would and you don't know if it ever will. You know, obviously things are better now than they were back in the 1800s, but you think there would be, would be in, in an even better place than where we are. And that's kind of a frustrating thing. So yeah, it happened. I shrugged it off and I always shrug it off whenever I hear comments like that, but it just always reminds me to always know where I am know my surroundings know who I'm around and make sure I can have those hard conversations with my kids especially as I get older and start understanding more things about the world about just how the world is and it's sad that it's that way but it is and over my almost 40 years of life I mean it's changed but racism is still out there and there's people that believe in it hardcore. And there's some people that, you know, some people are just more in the closet about it. They're more, they're not as open about it. Some of them are, like the guy I was driving down the road. You know, you just never know how it's going to be. So, moral of the story is, please go out there and treat everybody with respect. It doesn't matter. Who they are, what they look like, where they're from, what religion they are, it doesn't matter. Just treat them with respect like you want to be treated. It's pretty simple. It's like the golden rule. Do as others as you like to be done to you. So, you know, there's no reason not there's no reason to call people names or disrespect them for no reason at all. You know, it's unfortunate that our society is like that, but it is. And like I say we have a long way to go as far as change. Hopefully it changes and hopefully there's a way to do that. Um, you know, there's different things going on in our world today that are trying to combat that. But I feel like there's just sides butting heads against each other. And I wonder if it'll ever change. I don't know. I hope it does. Especially for my kids' sake. Because I always want them to be safe. I always want them to feel welcomed. I always want them to feel respected. And I always want them to do the same for others. That's why I'm teaching them. So hopefully, everyone out there, if you don't have racist thoughts, or racist feelings and you're teaching your kids to be respectable people towards everybody regardless of how they look or who they are or where they come from and good for you you know that's that's the way that it should be but we all have a battle on our hands that we're going to have to keep fighting and it sucks we have to do it but we have to, to for the betterment of the future of the next generations coming up so on that note we had fun today Had a great show. It was great having Lee on for the first time. Look forward to having him again. As always, Day and I, we enjoyed the show. Um, Got into a little things as far as hospitality. Hopefully we can figure out how we can save hospitality for the future. We'll see what other ideas we can bring to the table. Until then, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next week. Later.